Hello, and welcome to the Haunted and Historic Podcast, where we talk about houses, abandoned, historic, and sometimes haunted. I'm Courtney, and I will be your host. Hey guys, and welcome to episode one. Thank you so much for tuning in. I posted about the podcast launch on Instagram this last week, and I didn't expect to get so much excitement and so much interest in it. Anytime you're interested in something, I think it's totally normal to feel like you're the only one. And I definitely thought it was going to be like that with this. I didn't know how it would be received, but I got a lot of amazing feedback and a lot of kind comments. It just made me really excited. I also want to thank you for listening because I'm at the beginning of this journey I know that my voice can sound a little stiff and uncomfortable because I've never done this before. This is my first time launching a podcast and you have to start somewhere. I can't wait until it's perfect because I've already waited a year and it's time now. I just have to begin and you're going on that journey with me. I will continue to evolve and get better, but until then, I'm really thankful that you're here. So let's go ahead and get started with episode one. The idea for this episode came from a simple Google search when I decided to look up a backstory of one of my favorite movie houses, and I didn't expect to find what I found. I learned so much more than I originally thought I would, and I knew that I had to share what I found. I'm really big on spoilers and would never want to give anything away while talking about movies that people may have not seen. So I only included plot details that are irrelevant to the plot and don't give anything important away. I picked five of my favorite movie houses, all from horror movies or the like. So some are just creepy, witchy, or unsettling. I tried to choose a good variety that would be familiar to most people, but I also hope to provide you with some information that you didn't know before listening. It only feels right to start the list with the love of my childhood, number one, the people under the stairs. The house used for filming Wes Craven's 1991 horror film, The People Under the Stairs, is located at 2215 South Harvard Boulevard in Los Angeles, California. It was built in 1905 by the architecture team of Sumner, Hunt, and Eager. It was named a Los Angeles Historic Cultural Monument in 1991 and is known as the Thomas W. Phillips Residence. It is a three-story craftsman with a dark wood exterior and has not changed much in the 107 years since it's been built. Just in case anybody's interested, it is currently on the market for the first time in over 30 years for the price of $2.4 million. It has eight bedrooms, five bathrooms. Inside is the exact opposite of its dark exterior, offering bright white spaces with dark wood beams, and it's said to have a large basement similar to that of the movie. While looking through the photos, I didn't see the pond that the main character, Fool, falls into, so I'm not sure if it's still there and just not present in the listing photos or if it's been removed completely. The interior house scenes were not filmed inside the actual house, but instead filmed on a studio lot, which is almost always the case, even though it's still hard for me to come to terms with the fact that this is how the majority of movies are filmed. And I absolutely love the interior of the movie house with the large staircase in the living room. There's the formal living room with the hardwood floors, the authentic Victorian furniture. And I also love the long hallway upstairs, which seems like it has a thousand doors and gives it such a maze-like atmosphere. 
Just two final pieces of information on this house. It was said that shortly before Wes Craven's death in 2015 that he was developing a People Under the Stairs TV series for the Sci-Fi Channel, which is something I didn't know that I needed. I also read that Universal Studios Florida has incorporated a maze attraction based on this house in the past for their annual Halloween Horror Nights event. I absolutely hate flying, but I would get on a plane so fast for that. Next on the list is the house that inspired this episode, number two, Practical Magic. The stunning white Victorian house that was the central setting for the 1998 movie Practical Magic was designed by Robin Standifer and Stephen Alish of Roman and Williams. It was intended to look as if it had been lived in by generations of witches. The design was inspired by 19th century scrollwork and East Coast lighthouses. After the movie's release, it said they received a call from Barbara Streisand, who was interested in purchasing the house. However, they had to break the news that the house was nothing more than an architectural shell built for the movie and was torn down after filming. The movie takes place in New England, but the house was built on San Juan Island in Washington. The house took six months to build and was built on a platform due to the fact that it was located on an old burial ground and the earth was not supposed to be disturbed. Landscapes and gardens were also created around it using fake flowers. The production designer, Robin Standifer, created the corresponding interiors that were filmed on a studio lot in Los Angeles. She based her designs off of descriptions she found from the book and was quoted saying, I analyzed the descriptions of the stairway and the tangle of vines growing up over the back door and decided it had to be Victorian, but it couldn't look haunted. It had to be clean and white, not fading and cobwebbed. The interior sets were decorated with treasures found in architectural salvage and antique shops. Specifically, bell jars are one of the items seen in almost every room of the house. The only filming location that remained the same for filming the interior and exterior is the conservatory, which was built on a lot in Los Angeles and then disassembled and moved to Washington for the exterior shots. I loved this quote from Alice Hoffman, the author of Practical Magic, who said, quote, when I visited the stage set for Practical Magic in Los Angeles, I realized that the set designers had created a complete physical world out of their imagination, just as I had. It was as if we were both novelists, end quote. I personally really appreciate that so much care went into the design and building of this house. So while the house is no longer standing, it will always exist in part through the novel and the movie adaptation. The next house I couldn't find as much information about but I had to add it to the list, number three, Beetlejuice. Tim Burton's Beetlejuice took place in Connecticut, but it was actually filmed in Vermont. Similar to Practical Magic, the house was nothing more than a facade that was built for the movie and torn down after filming. So an interesting thing about the facade was that it was basically just four walls that were bolted together at the top and they had to use fans to blow up into the roof to get it to stand up and then they used the inside of the house as a basketball court for the filming crew. While the house was torn down after filming, the hill where the house sat can be found at the end of Jewel Lane in East Corinth, Vermont. This is definitely one of those movies that I need to give a rewatch. My only real memory of it was it being my favorite movie when I was around six or seven one of my favorites, and I ultimately got banned from watching it because I recited too many inappropriate things that I had seen in the movie. 
for the next two houses, I wanted to go with some lesser known locations. So we'll start with number four, American Horror Stories, The Murder House from season one. The Murder House from American Horror Stories located at 1120 Westchester Place in Los Angeles. It was built by architect Alfred Rosenheim, who built it in 1908 as his own residence. It's a six-bedroom, five-bath mansion that is described as an irreplaceable masterpiece comprised of a three-story main house plus a grand ballroom. One of the most interesting things about this house is that they used the actual location for filming the pilot and then used an exact replica for all of the episodes after. The former owner of this mansion made a deal with American Horror Stories producers to allow the mansion on the show and to be used for filming. In 2015, the mansion sold for $3.2 million to a couple. However, the new owners filed a lawsuit against the former owner due to the fact that it was used in a TV show and it was not disclosed to them, and apparently it is haunted by two actual ghosts. I can't find much information from the owners about the ghosts that they think are haunting the house, but it kind of brings up that point of what are real estate agents expected to disclose if there's not an actual crime and in most states that does not need to be disclosed. I feel like it's very common for people to always tell you to ask the neighbors if you want to find out anything about your house because they're generally the ones who know the most. The thing I liked about this house was the topic that it brings up of living in essentially a tourist attraction. You buy this house and it has been featured in a movie or a TV series and you are going to have people stop by and take pictures. A lot of people have had to put up gates in front of their residence to prevent people from coming onto the property, which I totally understand. While this couple didn't know what they were getting into, necessarily. It is interesting because people do buy those houses, but in a way I feel like they are owned by everybody that has seen those movies. That may be an unpopular opinion, but I feel like we own a little part of that house as well when we have spent so much time and seen it. And as long as you're not doing anything wrong, to go past and visit a house that is essentially a landmark I don't know. This one brings up a lot of thoughts. I'd like to hear your opinions about what you think. I will be extremely impressed if anybody knows this next house that I'm talking about. Number five, Rose Red. Rose Red was a miniseries that came out in 2002 based on the book by Stephen King, The Diary of Ellen Rimbauer, My Life at Rose Red a book that I had tucked under my arm all of sixth grade because I was a very pretentious child. I was obsessed with the book and then the miniseries. This house was by far the most interesting thing I researched. I also feel like in researching this house that I was pleasantly surprised that a lot of the filming took place within the actual castle. Rose Red is loosely based on the Winchester Mansion, but the actual house that was used for Rose Red is called the Thornwood Castle. The Thornwood Castle is located in Lakewood, Washington, and while Rose Red is a work of fiction, apparently the real Thornwood Castle is actually considered to be haunted. Thornwood Castle coincidentally matched almost identically to all of the major characteristics of the house that was in Stephen King's script, including the age of the house, the style, and the size. 
The house was purchased by Chester Thorne, who sought out to make it his dream home and the dream home of his wife, Anna. It was originally a 15th century English castle, but he had it largely dismantled. He then used three ships to bring the dismantled pieces over from England to Washington State to use for the construction. It was then constructed over a period of three years from 1908 to 1911. The castle was often referred to as the house love built, and I can't help but think about the fact that there was a time in history where that was an act of love, was to build a woman a house. One of my favorite things I learned about this mansion is that it is a bed and breakfast where you can rent one of the 22 rooms that it has available, many of which the rooms are filming locations that can be seen in the miniseries. The room rentals I had to look up, they range from 255 per night to 425 per night, which is not as much as I kind of expected for the history and everything that goes into this mansion, or rather this castle. One of the unique features within the castle is the stained glass collection that the castle holds. From the website of the bed and breakfast, it says, To add to his castle and complete his construction in 1911, Chester Thorne purchased a special collection of stained glass from a duke in Europe who had spent 40 years acquiring pieces salvaged from 15th and 16th century churches. These are remnants saved from a time when books and other works of art were being destroyed. Some pieces have specific dates on them, such as 1563 and 1650. There are approximately 120 of these special pieces in the house. In the past, two university professors came to photograph and catalog our collection. They stated that there is not another house that they know of in the United States with this kind of collection. That alone, I feel like, makes this castle a must-see. It's so much more than a movie house. It is essentially a piece of history. It is a piece of somebody's life. It has been deconstructed and reconstructed, and I think it is by far the most interesting house that I have ever read about. I will be posting more pictures on Instagram of the details of this house because I am a lover of stained glass. That is one of my top three things in a house that I would look for, and I will definitely have to include some of the pictures. They are magnificent. I will also leave a link to the bed and breakfast in the show notes. There's one quote that I want to end on from the book, The Diary of Ellen Rimbauer. It says, quote, houses are alive. This is something we know. News from our nerve endings. If we're quiet, if we listen, we can hear houses breathe. Sometimes in the depth of the night, you can even hear them groan. It's as if they are having bad dreams. A good house cradles and comforts. A bad one fills us with instinctive unease. Bad houses hate our warmth and our humanness. That blind hate of our humanity is what we mean when we use the word haunted. Okay, so that does it for this first episode of the Haunted and Historic podcast. Again, I am so happy that you're here. I would love to know your thoughts on this episode. Before I go, there is an Etsy shop that I want to give a shout out to. They don't know that I'm going to do this, but I found this Etsy shop this week and I am obsessed to say the least. The Etsy shop is Nerds the Word Prints and I felt like it was so appropriate that I found her Etsy shop this week because she makes these amazing detailed ink line drawings of houses. 
So when I went to her Etsy shop, some of the houses that she has are the Beetlejuice house, the Sanderson house from Hocus Pocus, and the house from Practical Magic. Her artwork is absolutely incredible, and it only felt right to mention it in this episode. So I highly recommend you check her out. Again, she has no idea I'm going to say this, but I just feel like more people should know about her shop, especially if you are here listening to this episode. Her pictures are the perfect pair to this episode. I will go ahead and link her Instagram in the show notes. Given that I know how to do that, I will do my best. Please feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at hauntedandhistoric at gmail.com or I'm available on Instagram at hauntedandhistoric. Please reach out to me if you have any suggestions for episodes. Thank you for listening and I will talk to you in the next one.